0: Tonight, we continue our story, The Jungle Book, by Rudyard Kipling. Little Tumai went off without saying a word, but he told Kalanag all his grievances while he was examining his feet. No matter, said little Tumai, turning up the fringe of Kalanag's huge right ear. They have said my name to Peterson Sahib, and perhaps, and perhaps, and perhaps, who knows? Ha! "'That is a big thorn that I've pulled out!' The next few days were spent in getting the elephants together, in walking the newly caught wild elephants up and down between a couple of tame ones to prevent them from giving too much trouble on the downward march to the plains, and in taking stock of the blankets and ropes and things that had been worn out or lost in the forest. Peterson Sahib came in on his clever she-elephant Pudmini. He had been paying off other camps among the hills, for the season was coming to an end and there was a native clerk sitting at a table under a tree to pay the drivers their wages. As each man was paid, he went back to his elephant and joined the line that stood ready to start. The catchers and hunters and beaters, the men of the regular Kedah who stayed in the jungle year in and year out, sat on the backs of the elephants that belonged to Peterson Sahib's permanent force or leaned against the trees with their guns across their arms and made fun of the drivers, who were going away, and laughed when the newly-caught elephants broke the line and ran about. Big Tumai went up to the clerk with little Tumai behind him, and Macha Apa, the head-tracker, said in an undertone to a friend of his, "'There goes one piece of good elephant stuff at least. Tis a pity to send that young jungle-cock to molt in the plains. "'Now Peterson Sahib had ears all over him, "'as a man must have who listens to the most silent of all living things.' the wild elephant. He turned where he was lying all along and put me in his back and said, "'What is that?' "'I did not know of a man among the plains drivers who had wit enough to rope even a dead elephant. "'This is not a man but a boy. "'He went into the car at the last drive "'and threw Barmow there the rope "'when we were trying to get that young calf with a blotch on its shoulder "'away from its mother.' Maja Appa pointed at little Tumai, and Peterson Sahib looked, and little Tumai bowed to the earth. He, though a rope, he is smaller than a picket pin. Little one, what is thy name? said Peterson Sahib. Little Tumai was too frightened to speak, but Kala Nag was behind him, and Tumai made a sign with his hand, and the elephant caught him up in his trunk and held him level with Pudmini's forehead in front of the great Peterson Sahib and little Tumai covered his face with his hands, for he was only a child, and except where elephants were concerned, he was just as bashful as a child could be. "Aha," said Peterson Sahib, smiling underneath his must. "'And why didst thou teach thy elephant that trick? Was it to help steal green corn from the roofs of the houses when the ears are put out to dry? Not green corn, protector of the poor.' "'Melons,' said Little Tumai, and all the men sitting about broke into a roar of laughter. Most of them had taught their elephants that trick when they were boys. Little Tumai was hanging eight feet up in the air, and he wished very much that he were eight feet underground. "'Here's Tumai, my son, Sahib,' said Big Tumai, scowling. "'He's a very bad boy, and he will end up in a jail, Sahib.' "'Of that I have my doubts,' said Peterson Sahib." A boy who can face a full ketta at his age does not end in jails. See, little one, here are four annas to spend in sweetmeats before thou hast a little head under that great thatch of hair. In time thou mayst become a hunter, too. Big to my scowled more than ever. Remember, though, that kettas are not good for children to play in, Peter Sahib went on. Must I never go there, Sahib? asked Little Tumai, with a big gasp. Yes, Peterson Sahib smiled again. When thou hast seen the elephants dance, that is the proper time. Come to me when thou hast seen the elephants dance, and then I will let thee go into all the kettas. There was another roar of laughter, for that is an old joke among elephant catchers, and it means just never. There are great cleared flat places hidden away in the forest that are called elephants' ballrooms, but even these are only found by accident, and no man has ever seen the elephants dance. When a driver boasts of his skill and bravery, the other drivers say, And when did thou see the elephants dance? Kalanag put little Tumai down, and he bowed to the earth again, and went away with his father, and gave the silver foreign a piece to his mother. Who was nursing his baby brother, and they were all put up on Kalanag's back, and the line of grunting, squealing elephants rolled down the hill path to the plains. It was a very lively march on account of the new elephants, who gave trouble at every ford and needed coaxing or beating every other minute. Big Tumai prodded Kalanag spitefully, for he was very angry, but little Tumai was too happy to speak. Peterson Sahib had noticed him. "'and given him money, so he felt as a private soldier would feel "'if he had been called out of the ranks and praised by his commander-in-chief. "'What did Peterson Sahib mean by the elephant dance?' he said at last, softly to his mother. "'Big Tumai heard him and grunted. "'That thou shouldst never be one of those hill buffaloes of trackers. "'That was what he meant. "'Oh, you in front, what is blocking the way?' An Assamese driver, two or three elephants ahead, turned round angrily, crying. Bring up Kalanag, and knock this youngster of mine into good behavior. Why should Peterson Sahib have chosen me to go down with you donkeys of the rice fields? Lay your beast aside, Tumai, and let him prod with his tusks. By all the gods of the hills, these new elephants are possessed, Well, else they can smell their companions in the jungle. Kalanag hit the new elephant in the ribs and knocked the wind out of him as Big Tumai said. We have swept the hills of wild elephants at the last catch. It is only your carelessness in driving. Must I keep order along the whole line? Hear him, said the other driver. We have swept the hills? (laughs) You are very wise, you plains people. Anyone but a mudhead who never saw the jungle would know that they know that the drives are ended for the season. Therefore all the wild elephants tonight will— but why should I waste wisdom on a river turtle? What will they do, little Tumai called out? Oh, little one, aren't there? Well, I will tell thee, for thou hast a cool head. They will dance, and it behooves thy father, who has swept all the hills of all the elephants, to double-chain his pickets tonight. What talk is this? said big Tumai. For forty years, father and son, we have tended elephants, and we have never heard such moonshine about dances. "'Yes, but a plainsman who lives in a hut knows only the four walls of his hut. "'Well, leave thy elephants unshackled tonight and see what comes. "'As for their dancing, I have seen the place where—' bap -bap. "'How many windings has the Dehang River? "'Here is another ford, and we must swim the calves. "'Stop still, you behind there!' "'And in this way, talking and wrangling and splashing through the rivers, "'they made their first march to a sort of receiving camp for the new elephants.' But they lost their tempers long before they got there. Then the elephants were chained by their hind legs to their big stumps of pickets, and extra ropes were fitted to the new elephants, and the fodder was piled before them. And the hill drivers went back to Peterson Sahib through the afternoon light, telling the plains drivers to be extra careful that night, and laughing when the plains drivers asked the reason. Little my attended to Kalanag's Supper, "'and as evening-fell wandered through the camp, unspeakably happy, in search of a tom-tom. "'When an Indian child's heart is full, he does not run about and make a noise in an irregular fashion. "'He sits down to a sort of revel all by himself. "'And little Tumai had been spoken to by Peterson Sahib. "'If he had not found what he wanted, I believe he would have been ill. "'But the sweetmeat-seller in the camp lent him a little tom-tom, "'a drum beaten with the flat of the hand.' and he sat down, cross-legged, before Kellanag as the stars began to come out, the tom-tom in his lap, and he thumped, and he thumped, and he thumped. And the more he thought of the great honor that had been done to him, the more he thumped, all alone among the elephant fodder. There was no tune and no words, but the thumping made him happy. The new elephant strained at their ropes and squealed and trumpeted from time to time, and he could hear his mother in the camp hut putting his small brother to sleep with an old, old song about the great god Shiv, who once told the animals what they should eat. It is a very soothing lullaby, and the first verse says, Shiv, who poured the harvest and made the winds to blow, sitting at the doorways of a day of long ago, gave to each his portion, food and toil and fate, from the king upon the gutty to the beggar at the gate. All things made he, Shiva the Preserver, Mahadeo, Mahadeo. He made all, thorn for the camel, fodder for the kine, and mother's heart for sleepy head, O oh little son of mine. Little Tumai came in with a joyous thunk a at the end of each verse, till he felt sleepy and stretched himself on the fodder at Kalinag's side. At last, the elephants began to lie down one after another, as is their custom till only Kalanag at the right of the line was left standing up, and he rocked slowly from side to side, his ears put forward to listen to the night wind as it blew very slowly across the hills. The air was full of all the night noises that, taken together, make one big silence, the click of one bamboo stem across the other, the rustle of something alive in the undergrowth, the scratch and squawk of a half-waked bird, "'Birds are awake in the night much more often than we imagine, "'and the fall of water ever so far away. "'Little Tumai slept for some time, "'and when he waked it was brilliant moonlight, "'and Kalinag was still standing up with his ears cocked. "'Little Tumai turned, rustling in the fodder, "'and watched the curve of his big back against half the stars in heaven, "'and while he watched, he heard, "'so far away that it sounded no more than a pinhole of noise.' "'through the stillness, the hoot-toot of a wild elephant. "'All the elephants in the lines jumped up as if they had been shot, "'and their grunts at last waked the sleeping mahouts, "'and they came out and drove in the picket pegs with big mallets "'and tightened this rope and knotted that till all was quiet. "'One new elephant had nearly grubbed up his picket, "'and Big Tumai took off Kalanag's leg chain and shackled that elephant forefoot to hindfoot, but slipped a loop of grass string around Kalinag's leg and told him to remember that he was tied fast. He knew that he and his father and his grandfather had done the very same thing hundreds of times before. Kalinag did not answer to the order by gurgling as he usually did. He stood still, looking out across the moonlight, his head a little raised and his ears spread like fans. "'up to the great folds of the Garrow Hills. "'Tend to him if he grows restless in the night,' said Big Tumai to Little Tumai, "'and he went into the hut and slept. "'Little Tumai was just going to sleep, too, "'when he heard the coir string snap with a little tang, "'and Kalanag rolled out of his pickets as slowly and as silently "'as a cloud rolls out of the mouth of a valley. "'Little Tumai pattered after him, barefooted, "'down the road in the moonlight, calling under his breath, Kalanag! Kalanag! Take me with you, O Kalinag!' The elephant turned, without a sound, took three strides back to the boy in the moonlight, put down his trunk, swung him up to his neck, and almost before little Tumai had settled his knees, slipped into the forest. There was one blast of furious trumpeting from the lines, and then the silence shut down on everything, and Kalinag began to move.' Sometimes a tuft of high grass washed along his sides, as a wave washes along the sides of a ship, and sometimes a cluster of wild pepper vines would scrape along his back, or a bamboo would creak where his shoulder touched it. But between those times he moved absolutely without any sound, drifting through the thick garrow forest as though it had been smoke. He was going uphill, but though Little Tumai watched the stars in the rifts of the trees, he could not tell in what direction. Then Kalanag reached the crest of the ascent and stopped for a minute, and Little Tumai could see the tops of the trees lying all specked and furry under the moonlight for miles and miles, and the blue-white mist over the river in the hollow. Tumai leaned forward and looked, and he felt that the forest was awake below him, awake and alive and crowded. A big brown fruit-eating bat brushed past his ear. A porcupine's quills rattled in the thicket, and in the darkness between the tree stems he heard a hog-bear digging hard in the moist, warm earth and snuffing as it digged. Then the branches closed over his head again, and Kalanag began to go down into the valley, not quietly this time, but as a runaway gun goes down a steep bank in one rush. The huge limbs moved as steadily as pistons, eight feet to each stride, and the wrinkled skin of the elbow points rustled. The undergrowth on either side of him ripped with a noise like torn canvas, and the saplings that he heaved away right and left with his shoulders sprang back again and banged him on the flank, and great trails of creepers, all matted together, hung from his tusks as he threw his head from side to side and plowed out his pathway." and Little Tumai laid himself down close to the great neck, lest a swaying bough should sweep him to the ground, and he wished that he were back in the lines again. The grass began to get squashy, and Kalanag's feet sucked and squelched as he put them down, and the night mist at the bottom of the valley chilled Little Tumai. There was a splash and a trample and the rush of running water, and Kalinag strode through the bed of a river, feeling his way at each step. Above the noise of the water as it swirled round the elephant's legs, little Tumai could hear more splashing and some trumpeting, both upstream and down. Great grunts and angry snortings, and the mist about him seemed to be full of rolling, wavy shadows. Aye, he said, half aloud, his teeth chattering, "The elephant folk are out tonight. It is the dance then." Galanag swashed out of the water blew his trunk clear and began another climb. But this time he was not alone and he had not to make his path. That was made already six feet wide in front of him, where the bent jungle grass was trying to recover itself and stand up. Many elephants must have gone that way only a few minutes before. Little Tumai looked back, and behind him a great wild tusker with his little pig's eyes glowing like hot coals was just lifting himself up out of the misty river. Then the trees closed up again, and they went on and up with trumpetings and crashings and the sound of breaking branches on every side of them. At last Kalanag stood still between two tree trunks at the very top of the hill. They were part of a circle of trees that grew round in a regular space of some three or four acres, and in all that space, as little to I could see, the ground had been trampled down as hard as a brick floor. Some trees grew in the center of the clearing, but their bark was rubbed away, and the white wood beneath showed all shiny and polished in the patches of moonlight. There were creepers hanging from the upper branches, and the bells of the flowers of the creepers, great waxy white things-like convoluses, hung down fast asleep. But within the limits of the clearing there was not a single blade of green, nothing but the trampled earth, The moonlight showed it all iron-gray, except where some elephants stood upon it, and their shadows were inky black. Little Tumai looked, holding his breath, with his eyes starting out of his head, and as he looked, more and more and more elephants swung out into the open from between the tree trunks. Little Tumai could only count up to ten, and he counted again and again in his fingers till he lost count of the tens and his head began to swim. Outside the clearing, he could hear them crashing in the undergrowth as they worked their way up the hillside, but as soon as they were within the circle of the tree trunks, they moved like ghosts. There were white tusked wild males with fallen leaves and nuts and twigs lying in the wrinkles of their necks and the folds of their ears, fat, slow-footed she-elephants with restless little pinky black calves only three or four feet high running under their stomachs. Young elephants with their tusks just beginning to show, and very proud of them. Lanky, scraggy, old maid elephants with their hollow, anxious faces and trunks like rough bark. Savage old bull elephants scarred from shoulder to flank with great wheels and cuts of bygone fights. And the caked dirt of their solitary mud baths dropping from their shoulders. And there was one with a broken tusk and the marks of the full stroke. The terrible drawing scrape. "'of a tiger's claws on his side. "'They were standing head to head, "'or walking to and fro across the ground in couples, "'or rocking and swaying all by themselves. "'Scores and scores of elephants! "'Tumai knew that so long as he lay still on Kalanag's neck, "'nothing would happen to him, "'for even in the Russian scramble of a kettle drive "'a wild elephant does not reach up with his trunk "'and drag a man off the neck of a tame elephant.' And these elephants were not thinking of men that night. Once they started and put their ears forward, when they heard the sound of a leg-iron in the forest, but it was Pudmini, Peterson Sahib's pet elephant, her chain snapped short off, grunting, snuffling up the hillside. She must have broken her pickets and come straight from Peterson Sahib's camp. And little Tumai saw another elephant, one that he did not know, with deep rope galls on his back and chest. He too must have run away from some camp in the hills about. At last there was no sound of any more elephants moving in the forest, and Kalanag rolled out from his station between the trees and went into the middle of the crowd, clucking and gurgling, and all the elephants began to talk in their own tongue and to move about. Still lying down, little Tumai looked down upon scores and scores of broad backs and wagging ears and tossing trunks and little rolling eyes. He heard the click of tusks as they crossed other tusks by accident, and the dry rustle of tusks twined together, chafing of enormous sides and shoulders in the crowd, and the incessant flick and hish of the great tails. Then a cloud came over the moon, and he sat in black darkness. But the quiet, steady hustling and pushing and gurgling went on just the same, He knew that there were elephants all around Kalanak, and that there was no chance of backing him out of the assembly. So he set his teeth and shivered. In Akata, at least, there was torchlight and shouting. But here he was, all alone in the dark, and once a trunk came up and touched him on the knee. I want to remind you that we're always on the hunt for great public domain stories like this one to feature on the podcast. If you know of any, please let us know. Email me, bigvoicej at gmail.com. We now have a YouTube channel of some of our greatest stories. Go to tiny.cc slash bvjbedtime. And if you'd like to support the show, there's a Buy Me A Coffee link on every page and post. Don't forget to give us a review on iTunes. It helps to spread the word that we're putting people to sleep, that we're putting people to sleep every single night. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this (laughs) program.